Uh, Grace, thank you so much for the opportunity to, uh, to be here with you this morning. Uh, it truly is a privilege, and I do deeply appreciate the fact that Danny would ask for me to step in and fill in for him today because there is a staff within this church, and there are folks who are members of this church who more than could stand up here and do the job this morning of bringing you God's word. And so from my heart, truly, it is a privilege. And I am so thankful for um, Grace as a church because this entire church truly is a partner with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, I appreciate Kimber so much and her leadership of the college ministry here. Because of the discipling and the leading and the growing that you do here, we have a number of our athletes across the street who are leaders for us within FCA, but they are being poured into by this church. And so for that, man, I am grateful because I get to see then them take what they are learning here and move into the space of their particular team and how God is using them. And then I could go on and on and on about what the partnership looks like, but I just wanna tell you, thank you so much uh, for supporting our FCA staff, for serving with us, praying for us, and financially giving so that we can do what we do on the campuses of middle schools, high schools, and colleges throughout Northeast Texas. So right now, Danny should be about two and a half hours into his marathon. He started at 8.50 this morning was his time to come out of the chute because they do kind of these staggered starts. 26.2 miles. What is wrong in somebody's mind that says, that's what I want to do today? I'm just, I'm looking at that and I'm just going, there's no way. That just does not even excite me the least to say I want to run 26.2 miles. I asked Danny on Friday, I said, all right, man, what is the pace that you want to run? What's the mile pace? And then what do you hope to finish within? And he said, 930 per mile finish in four and a half hours. So if he started roughly at nine, that puts him finishing up at 1.30. And I said, great, because the time that it takes you to run this, I'm just gonna use that to preach this morning. So for the next four and a half hours, here we go. And uh, we'll finish up a little after 1.30. So the last thing on the marathon, here's the one thing that I can pretty much guarantee you. Danny is going to run 26.2 miles today. And there is a great chance that I will not drive 26.2 miles today in Tyler, Texas. Over here, back to the house, maybe another errand today. It's not gonna total up 26.2 miles. But here's what I wonder. When he got to the start line this morning, what was that anticipation like? Because you don't just decide last week to say, oh, I tell you what, I'm gonna register to run in the BMW Dallas Marathon next weekend. So he has been putting training into this, everything from physically how he's running and what he's doing, what he's putting into his body fuel-wise and all of that to get ready for this. And I wonder what that anticipation was like this morning. Now, I know I had the, the, the opportunity to be a runner growing up, but I was a sprinter. And so ran up through high school and then had the opportunity to run in college. And there's a difference in the anticipation between a race like what he's doing today and a race like what I did. I did sprints, so I could literally see the finish line before I even started. I knew exactly where the conclusion was going to be. 
I ran on the four by four relay, I ran on the four by one relay, and there's anticipation in all of that. When I ran the second leg on the four by four, so our lead leg is I would watch him make one lap, and then he's coming down the home stretch, and there's a place that you have to receive the baton within. And I still remember how that would feel as David would get closer and closer, and then I would time my run so that I could get three steps, turn, get the baton, and go. I see some of our athletes here that I have the opportunity to serve as character coach across the street at UT Tyler. And every one of them within their sport knows what anticipation looks like before the actual game begins. And you go through all of the game day prep, you go through all of the things that get you up to that moment. Uh, About a week and a half ago, I was in Denver with uh, the volleyball team. They had made the NCAA tournament. Uh, First time to do that, uh, especially at the D2 level, having just moved into D2. And so when we got ready for that quarterfinal game and everything that they had done that day of breakfast to stretching, to practice, to film, to the last minute, to Devo, to getting ready and getting out on the court, doing the pregame, coming back into the locker room one more time, stepping out on the court and the anticipation of that first serve to get it all going. Now, I realize that not everybody in here loves sports. So here's my guarantee. Not all the illustrations will be on sports, all right? We'll try to broaden it out because I realize that's simply the world that I get to operate in. And when God called me into FCA, man, he really put together the two loves that I have, which are ministry and athletics. And so for that, I feel very fortunate. Um, If you're married... Think about the anticipation of wedding day. As I get to have the opportunity to do weddings, the one thing that I tell um, the groom is this, man, bro, get where you can see when she starts down the aisle. Whether that's they're gonna kick the doors open and the aisle's just straight and you'll be able to see, or maybe if it's an old school church where she's got to come in over here but then work her way to and everybody's standing up. But here's the deal. You want to be where you can see and anticipate her coming down the aisle. Or if you've had kids, the anticipation of that birth. We have one son, and uh, he was a C-section. Um, and that's really interesting because we were living in West Texas at the time and Barbara and I are both from Dallas and when we found out we were pregnant, I said, well, this is going to be wild. She said, well, I can tell you one thing and I said, what's that? She said, he's going to be born in Dallas and I'm like, excuse me? How's that going to work? She said, it will. And I'm like, you know, that's a long drive from the other side of Abilene to Dallas when you start sitting there saying I'm in labor. Well, just a few weeks before the due date, we found out he was C-section, and she looked at me and went, told you. And sure enough, he was born in Dallas, Texas. And I can remember being in the room, and I know that God did not wire me to be in the medical field whatsoever, because I thought I was going to have to have oxygen and everything else being in there. And I was content to be over in the, in the corner and sit there and say, man, if this is where I could be, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, man, everything totally changed once they got started and when they brought him up. And the anticipation of everything we've been waiting for. Those of you who just got through with exams, any anticipation in receiving your grades? You're sitting there going, none whatsoever, all right? (laughs) I know what that grade may look like and everything, but see, that's just it. We all live, and this is where we are in this time of the year. We look at this wreath, we look at these candles, 
And there's two things that this should do for us every Sunday that we have the opportunity to do the Advent season. And that is, number one, remember the gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ and the birth that we celebrate at this time. But also remind the calling that it gives us to anticipate that he is returning. And there is a difference between just waiting for something and anticipating something. If you're waiting for something, to me, the visual that comes about is I am back on my heels or I am flat-footed and I've kind of got this posture of, okay, it'll get here. And when it gets here, that's fine. But if I am anticipating something, Man, I am up on my toes, I am on the balls of my feet, and I am leaning in. And folks, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the very posture that we ought to have with this idea that he will return. That I ought not to be sitting back and just going, well, if it comes, it comes, and if it happens while I'm here, okay. No, I anticipate, why? Because he is faithful to what he said he would do. And this idea of anticipation leads us into the very text that we're going to be talking about this morning. For Advent, you well know, you have been covering the, uh, the covenants of the Old Testament and how that relates to this time as we look forward to the coming of Christ. And when Danny asked me to preach, he didn't tell me, first of all, what we were preaching on. He simply said, hey, man, could you do December 12th? And I was like, sure, the calendar's clear. And he said, great, now here's the passage. And I was like, you are kidding me. Oh, my goodness. But it has been marvelous over the last couple of Sundays to see and hear how this just all fits. And as we get into the Mosaic Covenant of today, I want you to think about what would it be like to be in captivity for 430 years? Because that's what led up to the moment where we are today. The, the covenant that he had established with Noah that we had two weeks ago and then last week with Abraham And God telling the people of Israel, this is who I am and this is who you are to me. And yet, 430 years of being in captivity. And how is it that you would have to wake up knowing what the Israelites went through when they were in Egypt and the harshness that was there and being at the the end of a whip and all that they had to do How was it that you could wake up with that morning sitting there saying, maybe today is the day. Today is the day. Our God is faithful to his word and we know that he is going to provide a deliverer. And so out of that, we will come through this bondage and we will be set free. How do you live in that anticipation? And yet with the birth of Moses, things then begin to activate. And he was gonna be the one and was the one that was the deliverer for how Israel was to come out of captivity. And that leads us into our passage today, which is found in Exodus 19, verses 1 through 9, and here's how it reads. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness And there Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called out to him, or called to him out on the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and all the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. All the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all of the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. So last week, as Danny was speaking to us, he brought this term to us in, in what this covenant looked like or what the covenant looked like with Abraham. And it was a suzerain vassal covenant. And just as a reminder of what that means, that's two parties entering into a covenant with each other, but one is greater than the other. They are not on equal setting. There are covenants, yes, that enter into. I can enter into a covenant with you and we're pretty much on equal setting and we both have our parts to fulfill. And it's the same in this type of covenant except there is one that is greater, God, and there's the nation of Israel, the lesser, and sits there and says, okay, we will enter into this relationship with each other. And the covenant works really pretty easy as you have seen over the last two Sundays. It's simply, okay, if you will do this, then I will do this. And you see the two parts to the covenant that are laid out to each other. And so for this particular covenant with Moses or Israel really is who the covenant was with, even though it may be called the Mosaic covenant, you see the stipulation that is giving, given. And it's simple. It's two things. So here's how it reads. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. That's what the nation of Israel was supposed to do. I mean, plain and simple. Look at that. First one there. It's three, three words. Now, parents, any of you ever said to your kids, just listen to what I say. Obey my words. Plain and simple, right? But yet, how challenging can it be sometimes when we are given something that is spoken to us? If you are like I am, man, my brain is running 90 miles an hour. And I am thinking all kinds of things all at once. What have I done? What am I doing? What have I got to do? And all of that. And it could very well be that when I got here this morning, I looked and Kimber said, Hey, Robert, by the way, remember this. And then we get to the break in between and she's like, Hey, remember? And I'm like, dang, you did say that to me, didn't you? You spoke that to me, but I, I couldn't remember it. And so... Man, God says, plain and simple, obey my voice, keep the covenant. And with that, God says, then here is the promise. Here is my part. You will be a treasured possession, a holy nation, and a kingdom of priests. Those are the two pieces of the covenant that we're looking at today. And in the first one, the stipulation, God not only said, well, I'll tell you what, I just want you to remember everything that I've said from what I said back with Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He said, no, I'll make it a little bit easier. And in Exodus 20, Moses gets what? The Ten Commandments. 
And so God lays out for his people, this is who you are to be. Now we have to understand and we have to remember that it's not the Ten Commandments themselves. It's not keeping the commandments that saves us. That is simply how we are to live life out. In that day and time, it was sacrifice that was done. And the sacrifice took care of the sin. And that's what established the relationship with God. And yet he said, in these Ten Commandments, there's two things. It's how you relate to me and live that out. And then how you live that out with people. Four of them focused on our relationship with God. Six on our relationship with people. Simple, right? I mean, they're laid out there right before us. I mean, you start looking at the ones that relate man to man. Hey, don't steal. If it's not yours, don't take it. My phone is down there in the front row because I don't want it up here on me. Hey, Kimber, don't take it. All right? And we look at those and we think, man, that's how we're to live. You see, it's one thing to enter into a covenant with somebody who is your equal. Because in that, and not that I'm looking at it from a negative way, but as I enter into a covenant with you, I'm sitting here going, you know what? You're human, I'm human. You're flawed, I'm flawed. So there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to fulfill everything on your side of the covenant. And there is a pretty good chance that I am not going to fulfill everything on my side of the covenant. And I understand that going in. Man, what is it when you have... God Almighty, who is absolutely perfect, absolutely holy, who says, here's the deal. I will never break my part. It's not in my nature. It's not something that I can do. And here's what I want you to understand. I fully understand that you won't fulfill your side of the covenant, but I deeply want this covenant with you. Man, what does that speak to us in how he sees us? And his willingness to say, I will do this if you will do this. And the beautiful thing about all of these covenants, from Noah to Abraham to Moses today, it's not like God established this one and said, well, that's not working, so I need to come up with another one. No, with each covenant, it's like he expands it a little bit more, and he shows us more of who he is, and each one then begins to point to what the ultimate covenant that is found in Jesus Christ, and everything that rests in him and all that was accomplished through him when the right moment came for him to come and walk this earth and to give himself on the cross and come back to life. But you see, Israel entered into this cycle, even though they said, hey, we'll do that. God, we're gonna follow everything. Once you start looking at Exodus and Leviticus and what comes, here's the pattern that you see for how the nation of Israel lived. They would be in right relationship with God and then they would disobey sin. They would fall into captivity again and then they would stay there for a while until they remembered this is not what God desires. This is not where we're supposed to be. And so they would repent and then God would restore them and bring them back. And it's amazing as you look on this side of scripture and we see that as you read the Old Testament time after time after time again, that was their pattern. And I, it could be easy for me at times to sit there and say, man, how can you fall into that? 
I mean, you were, your ancestors were in captivity for 430 years. God brought them out. They said, we'll do all of this, and yet you can't do that. And before I go any further, I have to remember that's exactly what my life looks like. I gave my life to Christ when I was in middle school. And God has placed some incredible people in my life to grow my relationship and show me who and what that should look like. And he is still doing that for me today. And yet there are times that I willingly sit there and say, God, I know what you're calling me to, but this is what I want to do right now. And so I sin, I disobey, and it leads me into this space of captivity because I am in a place and my life looks like what I know is not what God desires. And I can choose to either sit there in that captivity that I've placed myself in by my choices, or I can sit there and say, you know what, God, this is not what you desire for me. This is not what I've established with you. I need you. Will you forgive me? And in repentance, not I'm just sorry, because I'm sorry could mean I'm sorry I got caught. But in repentance, to sit there and say, God, here's what's happened. My heart is no longer in alignment with your heart. And I need you to come in and I need you to take and put that back in alignment with you. And so before I look at that pattern and say, man, nation of Israel, this God established this incredible covenant with you. How could you live that way? I have to remember I am very quick to live that way. And so I was sitting there thinking, man, how do we make today practical? Because I'll be very transparent with you. That's what I ask of our teams that I get to serve. Zoe's on the women's soccer team. And when we get to do leadership sessions and things like that, Zoe, don't I always tell you ladies, I just need you to be honest with me, right? Because if there's not honesty, there's not growth. And I won't get better as a leader or a player or what God is calling me to. And so I'm going to be very honest with you. This week was a challenge. Looking at this passage, not not what it's built on and how God designed it. But I'm sitting there going, man, God, how do we make this practical? Because I don't want and didn't want this morning just to be a history lesson of, okay, here's another covenant that God established, and here's the backstory. They were in captivity. God brought them out as he said they would. He establishes this other covenant with them, and then here's where it led to, and it just keeps pointing to Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with seeing the history of that's there. But I believe what God calls us to when we gather together like this is... As we move from this place here in just a few minutes, what is the ongoing conversation that I need to have with God based on what I've read and what I've seen and what he's placed in my heart? Or what does it move me to do? And so I'm sitting there going, man, what what does the Mosaic Covenant look like today? So I'm going to give you an illustration, and I will tell you right now, it fails greatly, but it's the closest thing that I could think of. All right? So right here, this is my driver's license. I was not going to give it to the media crew where they could put it up there because no way you're looking at this picture right here. All right? You guys got good eyes, so I'm going to do that right there. So you can't even look at the picture while you're sitting here. When I was 16 years old, I entered into a covenant with the state of Texas. They gave me a driver's license because I did all of the things that they said. And with that driver's license, here's what I said. I will obey everything that you guys have set out as far as a driver within the state of Texas. 
I will turn right on red unless there is a sign that's posted that says no right on red. I will do the speed limit. So when I get out here on the loop, I will go 45. I will make sure I see right there before Legacy that it does drop to 40. And then it kicks back up. And then it gets a little higher as you go on around towards Sam's and everything. And here, that's it. Man, my 16-year-old self echoed everything that the Israelites said. All that you, the state of Texas, say, I will do. Right. What brought us to Tyler, Texas, I was on staff at First Baptist Tyler as a student minister. We were headed out to Abilene for a camp. We were, I was going out early. I had my two interns with me. And somewhere between Tyler, Texas and Abilene, Texas, I took it upon myself to go faster than the posted speed, to which I got to have a conversation with a state trooper. I think he was bored and just didn't have anything else to do and wanted somebody to talk to. He said otherwise. He said, do you realize that you were speeding? And this dude was younger than I was, but I can guarantee you every single question that he asked me was answered with either a yes, sir, or a no, sir, because that dude had all the authority in the world. And I said, yes, sir, I do know. And he said, can I have your license? And I said, yes, sir. And so he comes back and he said, I have one question for you, Mr. Barden. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, do you still live in Sweetwater, Texas? like, no, sir, I do not. He said, where do you live? I said, I live in Tyler. And he said, huh, how long have you lived there? And I said, three years. And he said, is there any reason that you haven't had your license changed? And in that moment, everything that went across my mind was, well, I've been too busy. Uh, I'm a youth minister. Um, and you're sitting there going, dude, there's nothing that I can give this guy. And I said, no, sir, there's no reason. He said, I'll be right back. And man, I'm just trying to figure out what it is going to be coming out of my pocket. Why? Because I willingly, even though I said would obey everything, I willingly disobeyed everything. And he comes back and he said, Mr. Barton, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you two warnings. And here's what I ask. Number one, would you please slow down? Yes, sir. Second thing, he said, when is this camp in? I said, on Friday. He said, on Monday morning, what is the first thing that you're going to do? I said, man, I will go past UT Tyler. I will go down to the DMV and I will get my license changed. He said, thank you very much. Have a good day. Like I said, not the best illustration of the Mosaic Covenant. And yet the state of Texas said, if you will do this, we will provide this. And if you fall within and obey the covenant that we've established with each other. You will live within the freedom. You'll live within the benefit of the state of Texas and the authorities that look over you. And if you choose not to, you will end up with what? The curse that comes with that. And in that moment, it was not. I would love to tell you the other opportunities that I've had to witness to some of our law authorities um, have not turned out so well. They gladly come back with a smile and go, here you go, have a nice day. And I'm like, really? You're telling me have a nice day after you're just giving me that thing? Dude, come on. Grace given from God in a covenant that sits there and says, if you obey my word and if you obey the covenant, then I promise you will be my, my treasured possession my holy nation, my kingdom of priests. 
And I love the fact that he speaks that last one to everybody because, yes, in the Old Testament, you had some that their duty was the priests. They were the ones to stand in the gap between the people and God. And yet he was looking at the entire nation at this point and saying, each one of you will be my priest. In other words, you will speak of the goodness of who I am and what the relationship that I desire with each and every person that you come in contact with. And so this morning, how does the Mosaic Covenant point to the greater covenant we see in Jesus Christ? Just as Moses was the deliverer for Egypt at this point in time, Jesus Christ is our ultimate deliverer. He is the one who frees us from our sin. He is the one who paid that cost. He is the keeper of the commandments. I daily fail on the Ten Commandments and the way that God says, if you are mine, then you are to live this way. And yet Jesus kept every single one of those. Have you thought about that? How each four say, this is how you relate to God. This is how you relate to people. He did all of that perfectly. And so now I can just simply try to pattern my life after that. And he redeemed us. He was willing to pay the cost for us. And so I'll leave you with these three things. And here's my prayer as we look at these. And it's a prayer for myself as well as you that out of these next three slides, you will find the one that God impresses upon you to either place into action your faith or to continue the conversation with him today. And that is, first of all, possession. You and I are his treasured possession and part of his holy nation. I have no earthly idea where life is for you right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you have been through. I don't know what you are facing right now. But I do know this. In this space right here, it is very easy to believe that there is somebody sitting here, and though you have a relationship with Christ, you are sitting there saying, I feel nothing of being a, tre a treasure to anyone or a prized possession to anyone. And yet, think how Scripture weaves together. Prior to doing the Advent, we walked through the, the book of 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, in the first chapter, it is a reminder from the very beginning that what? That God bought you. You were precious enough for him to buy, purchase, redeem you with what? His blood. So you are a prized possession today, not because of what you've done or what you're going to do, but simply because you are and he created you. Second thing, pursue and practice. If you put the Ten Commandments into practicality, it tells us what we are to pursue, God, with everything. Not position, not wealth, not this. Now there's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. Because God has gifted some of you with incredible business minds or incredible skills. And with that, you can take and do incredible things. But is that my ultimate pursuit? Or is my sight set on him? So I am pursuing God. And then put into practice 
simply what that relationship looks like. How do I deal with people that I come in contact with each and every day? How do I speak to them? How do my actions show them what my heart is saying? Because I may be able to say one thing, but if you're reading my body language, does it match up to what I am saying? And does all of that reflect the heart of God in this day and time in our nation when things are so tense that I treat you in a different way? Wherever you will go to eat today, wherever you will go to shop today, the young person, the old person, whoever it is that's waiting on you, will we treat them any different than anybody else they come in contact with today? And the last thing, platform and proclaim. Every single one of us, if you know Jesus Christ, have been given an incredible platform by him for him. And we talk to our athletes in it that know Christ in this way. There's a difference between a pedestal and a platform. A pedestal, I put myself on the pedestal. And I want everybody to look at me. But a platform, I realize that's just the space that God has given me to operate in order to make him known. And every single one of you have been given a platform. And at some point, yes, we are to live there to see our actions, but at some point we need to speak the name of Jesus and the gospel to them. And it's not just the, the doings of a few, because I can speak to a team and I can trek with that team all year long and they can hear me talk about the things that are in this book. And yet if one of their, their teammates who know Christ come along and speak that very same message, it clicks. I maybe had a little part of that, thanks to God, but because this athlete was willing to speak into the life of their teammate, that's when it hit. And if they had not been willing to proclaim the message they know, then what would have happened? The last outflowing of, of all of this is Sabbath. Rest in God. We are due, aren't we? We're doers. Gotta be, gotta go, gotta get, gotta get. How many times do we simply say, you know what, my calling today is to rest in God and the faithfulness that he's shown me in a covenant relationship that says, if you will do this, then God says you will find that I'm more than faithful to this. And I love, again, the way Scripture backs all of this up. And you see how something in the New Testament weaves right into the Mosaic Covenant to where God says, it all fits. It all fits. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to look into the covenant that you established with Moses and the people of Israel. And Father God, it is not a history lesson solely, but it is a reminder of who you are. And Father, it's a reminder of what you desire with each and every one of us. Father, help us today. There is somebody here who needs to be reminded that they are your possession because of purchasing them with Jesus Christ. Father, help all of us to practice, to pursue you, and to use the platform to proclaim the message that we celebrate this time of year, that you gave us your son, 
because of the deep desire that you had to have a relationship with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.